0: Welcome to the Sabatu Mansaray journey. I'm your host, Sabatu Mansaray, a Muslima, a woman's empowerment devotee, a physician assistant, and a woman who will never say I can't, but rather a woman that would say, let me show you. Join me as I dive deep into faith, empowerment, unity, global health, our beloved Mother Africa, And yes, chic, modest Muslima fashion topics delivered to you in bite-sized, fluff-free episodes every Tuesday. Alhamdulillah, and welcome to the Sabatu Mansure journey. Today's topic is the journey of faith. How does the concept, the belief, and the practice of faith start in our lives? How do we hold on to it through the busyness of this world, such as work, family, school, and pastimes? A key priority of this podcast and blog is to help encourage and inspire all of us to prioritize our faith amidst being busy. Taking the time to keep God in remembrance, to be grateful for the many blessings in our lives, and to be of those who worship in excellence, which includes Keeping Up With Our Five Daily Prayers. May Allah guide us upon these affairs. For some of us, the concept of faith, belief, and practice starts in the home. We are born into it, and it's the norm. Our parents or guardians ensure it is of value, they prioritize it, and they hold everyone that lives in that house accountable. In a Muslim household, prayers are conducted as a family to include the Muslim guest that happens to show up at the prescribed time of prayer. My father's recitation of the Quran during our prayers will forever be etched in my memory, and I'm extremely grateful for that valuable memory. SubhanAllah. So with that today, my guest is a brother from my native land, Sierra Leone, who both he and his wife strive in the path of Allah each day. Brother Suleiman Yassin Jalo was born and raised in Sierra Leone and currently resides in the United States. He's a public speaker and has been since he was a teenager. He was a student of knowledge under the guidance of the late Sheikh Mujtaba, who introduced and coached him on public speaking. It is with his time with the late Sheikh that he got the nickname Mufti, and many people in our community today know him as Mufti. At the age of 13, he completed tafsir under the guidance of Alaji Bashir Joki, and at 15, he was able to memorize 15 Jews of the Quran. Now, that's impressive. Before emigrating to the Netherlands, he studied Fiqh, Hadith, Sirah, from different scholars in Sierra Leone. Brother Mufti volunteers with many organizations within the Sierra Leonean community and beyond. He founded the Weekend Quran School at Jamul Jalil Jamaat in Maryland, introduced an annual Quran competition at Masjid Nur in California. He taught Quran and Hadith at the Nigerian Islamic Center in Washington, D.C., and he was an assistant imam at the United Muslim Jamaat in Maryland. He is currently an imam at Masjid Iman in Columbus, Ohio, and he holds weekly online lectures on Facebook and Zoom to include teaching the Quran. And in the midst of prioritizing his faith and encouraging us to do that as well, he also works as a registered nurse. Brother Mufti, may Allah reward you, sir, for your perseverance in striving in his path, and I thank you very much for being my guest today.
1: Uh, it's an honor. I'm happy in. um Inshallah, I'm happy to be your guest. Thank you.
0: In the inaugural episode, I briefly discussed struggling in the cause of Allah, particularly the Jihad al-Nafs, which is the struggle against oneself, wanting to be part of the worldly life and neglecting your faith in the process, putting off the striving in the path of God for tomorrow as though you are promised tomorrow. How many of us have said or have heard people say, I'll wake up tomorrow for the early morning prayer. I'll fast next Ramadan. I'll help sister so-and-so tomorrow. I'll start teaching my children about faith tomorrow. I'll go on Amazon tomorrow and order a new Quran. I'll do so-and-so tomorrow in the path of Allah. My respected listeners, don't put off what you can do today for tomorrow. There's a hadith that says, death is closer or nearer to each of us than our own shoelaces. Now, Brother Suleiman, you know far more than I do that striving the path of Allah is no easy task. And to prioritize and hold on to your faith in a world filled with distractions is absolutely difficult. So before we start our dialogue, Brother Mufti, can you give a brief summary to the listeners of what completing the tafsir means? And let's touch on you being able to recite 15 Jews at the age of 15.
1: Alhamdulillahi wa kafa wa salatu wa salamu ala ashraf al-mursaleen. We praise Allah wa ta'ala for His blessings, and um, we don't have knowledge except what is being taught to us by um, Allah wa ta'ala and through His prophets and His messengers. Alhamdulillah, um, I was fortunate to uh, complete the tafsir at an early age. Um, tafsir in Arabic meaning to... Be able to explain or translate the Quran into your own native language. Um, at that point in time, we did it in um, in Creole, that's our basic language, or uh, just uh, the language of the city, um, and uh, we have to go through that whole process. It took us almost three and a half years to to do the tafsir or the translation of the entire Quran.
0: Now you're able to recite 15 Jews at the age of 15. Now, that's very impressive, given that there are 30 parts to the Quran and you knew 15 parts at such a young age. Now, some, some may be thinking that that just means 15 sewers, but that is not the case. So explain to us what a Jew's, Jews or a part of the Quran actually encompasses.
1: So to start with, um, the Quran has 30 Jews in the Quran. they study 30 Jews in the Quran, uh, and 15 Jews meaning um, 15 sections of the Quran. So since we have 30, so basically it's like half of the Quran. And each Jews is like 10 pages. So if you count the pages of the Quran, one page full, back and front, or front and back, you'll realize uh, 10 of it is one Jews. So 30 of it um, is 30 Jews, basically. And at that point in time, at the age of 15, alhamdulillah, I was able to memorize 15 Jews of the Quran. Yeah, um, that was using to lead in salah, taraweeh, and tahajjud, and
0: all of that. Oh, wow, uh, that's, that's an absolute blessing, alhamdulillah, for that. Uh, I also learned that, mashallah, when you were 15, you founded a masjid in Sierra Leone and was the chief imam. Tell us about that and inspire us parents so we can raise pious children.
1: Uh, uh, alhamdulillah, you know, um, there was so much that happened from, from the age of seven, um, to the age of 15, uh, by the age of nine, when I lost my father and uh, inshallah, we'll get to that. And, uh, I was under the teaching of Sheikh Muhammad Ali Mushtaba And then after he was killed also, and, uh, uh, I had to leave the, the, the city, uh, where I was living at that point in time and then coming back and, at that point in time, Sierra Leone was going through a civil war and, uh, and the, the city was taken over by the rebels and uh, where I was living, where I was basically hiding or where I was staying at that point in time, just to stay away from the people looking um, to attack the students of Mushtaba, uh, the house was burnt. So I had to go back to where my mother was living. At that point in time, there was so much people and and the, the house and so much noise. Um, in the evenings because there's was curfew and all yeah. kinds of things that was going on. Yeah. And at that point, I decided, you know what? When it's time for Salah to Maghrib, I'm going to start praying outside openly. Yeah. So, and that's how we started. And we started in front of one of the houses, like just the open area. And I started leading Salah there. And I had a couple of brothers that was with me. And, and the first day, the second day, and all of a sudden, I started having huge amounts of people. Wow. By the time I knew it, um, one of the owners of the building has a open space. And he gave it to us and said, uh-huh. you can start praying in this area instead of in front of people's houses. And that's how we started our masjid. And alhamdulillah, that masjid is a full-fledged uh, masjid right now is functioning. Wow. Um, we have, yes, uh, we opened it and... It's a whole building now. We have students learning in there. We have students all over the place coming to um, learn, and we have lecturers from different areas of Sierra Leone coming in there to give khutmas and stuff. It, it is still functioning, Oh, that's
0: uh, that's very good news. And and uh, inshallah, I'm moving back to Sierra Leone in December, and, and I would definitely want to visit and be a part of, of the mosque that started so many years ago, if that is possible. Um, I, I know... Thank you. As a young Imam, I'm sure you were given kutbas, uh, and and for those who don't know what that means, uh, sermons. And alhamdulillah, for, for that, for your parents being able to to raise you upon the Deen of Allah, and may they be rewarded for that. Kutbas are have reinvigorated my faith. They are so so much so much of a value to what i do every single day so i am extremely impressed and it warms my heart that at such a young age your faith was already a priority i don't think there's a day that goes by where i do not listen to one or two kutbas it's my routine and it truly helps strengthens my faith and so i am so so Uh, I mean, I'm I'm inspired to hear that at such a young age, you were already doing that. And today, as an adult, I am now just learning the importance and the value of what kutbah serve as I listen to them every single day. Can you give us some background on your journey upon Allah's deen? When and how did it start?
1: So, alhamdulillah, uh, it started with my father. Um, At an early age, he wanted me to read Quran and my siblings and we're going to a, a local teacher and uh, we're learning quran and alhamdulillah i had the passion for it at an early age basically i was moving fast i was interested and we're going to school and then come off school and then go for quran in the evening so it started with my father actually mm-hmm. um but before he passed away um the late Mushtabah, Sheikh Muhammad Ali Mushtaba came in mm-hmm. um and my father went and listen to his khutbah the first week that he came from Pakistan. Mm -hmm. And at that point, um, he came home and he said to me, there's this new sheikh that came and I want you to meet him. Just like that. Uh, I was like seven, eight, I believe. And and yes, so in the evening, he said he has a lecture in the evening tonight. I'm going to take you. And so that's how he took me to him. And when I went, I was so connected with what he was saying. And I loved everything. The following morning, I wanted to go in the next day. And wow. that's how it started. So my father, at, at one point in time, he took me and he just handed me over to him. He said, I'm giving you my son. Let him learn from you. Wow. Alhamdulillah. And uh, Allah blessed me a little bit from that. And I was able to um, have a little bit of uh, understanding of the deen through my father and the late Sheikh Muhammad Ali Mushtabah.
0: Alhamdulillah for that, and it's a very common, uh, somewhat common practice in in Sierra Leone. I remember my grandfather having um, uh, young boys that were uh, assigned is not the word, but where their parents have given them to him to to teach them the Quran, and they would relocate from because my grandfather at the time lived in Waterloo, at the, and and so these kids came from other uh, um, surrounding parts of of, of Waterloo of, of Freetown, and they actually lived with. My grandfather lived in a home uh, with my grandparents, and to this day, one of the the the, the boys that he helped uh, and, and taught him the Quran still is very connected to our family. And when my father passed away, he was such a key role uh, in that in that process. So I definitely understand, even from an outsider's view, the connection that a young child has with their um, with their educator, scholar, let's call it that uh, in in Islam. I definitely understand that connection sometimes it is even closer with that person than it is their, their own father. So I definitely understand your relationship with, with Sheikh Mushtaba. And, and may God reward him um, uh, for, for teaching you and keeping you steadfast uh, upon the deen through the help of Allah. Uh, what are you doing now to continue to increase knowledge? And, and what's next for you?
1: So, yes, um, the first thing I when I. When I was back home, as you, as we mentioned earlier on, I was memorizing the Quran. I was involved in a lot of Quran competitions. Um, and like you rightly mentioned, I've been learning from different scholars back home at that point in time. Right now, I'm focusing on completing the memorization of the Quran. Alhamdulillah, I've memorized 22 Jews. Oh. Um, 22 Jews of the Quran, at in Arabic. Um, so I'm remaining, I'm just, I have eight Jews remaining, so basically um, 80 pages that is remaining from the Quran. And if you count the pages of the Quran, it's about um, 6,000-something in total. So uh, it's only 80 pages that is left in the memorization. Um, Inshallah, I'm working on that. And I'm also um, taking classes from scholars from Medina. Um, online, and then from the Middle East, some other areas in Middle East, which yes. I'm doing quietly, privately, not talking about it a lot. <laughs> and I'm also, um, yeah, uh, doing a research on my own, like I always do when the Bushtaba was alive. He used to give me tons of books to read, yes. and he would tell me, um, within a month, okay, I need you to come and explain this book and this book and this book to me at okay. an early age. Yeah. Okay, I'm talking about 11, 12, 13. Oh, wow. So yeah. I'm used, I'm used to that and I'm always reading and reviewing what I've learned and always reading from what I didn't learn and listening from my chefs online that I'm studying from yes. um, and, and inshallah I'm working on another process to go back um, in one of the Middle East countries once the corona is over mm-hmm. just to get the, the hijaza from one of the sheikhs of the Quran. Mm-hmm. So once I finish the memorization, I have to go to one of them sheikhs, mm-hmm. um, one of my, you know, Quran um, mentors right now mm-hmm. and I have to recite page by page mm-hmm. from Dakara to Nas with oh, no wow. mistakes and then you'll get the, you'll get the hijaza, oh, wow. inshallah ta'ala, and that that is my my main goal right now and so i will seek knowledge until we leave the dunya because you will never say you're satisfied with the knowledge as muhammad said um, uh, you should seek knowledge from the cradle to the grave so you will never say you are a scholar or you know everything um you you will never say i'm satisfied with knowledge so you always call yourself student of knowledge and we and I'm striving to seek more, as people call me the mufti. And I'm striving to get in that position because mufti is a big name, and yes. and, and you, you want to get all the knowledge because basically you can, you have the knowledge, you can answer the questions of the people, and if there's dispute, they'll come to you to give the, the judgment and stuff like that. So it, it, it takes a lot, and you have to have a lot of education, uh, you know, on your hands. And I, I am always seeking to improve and increase in my knowledge inshallah ta'ala and I'm working on it.
0: Oh, may, may Allah make it easy for you. I I know that um, we, we every day we grow and we learn from from uh, from from various sources to to increase our knowledge. Uh, but what's very important for listeners is that not just gaining the knowledge, but using the knowledge that you have gained wisely. Through the knowledge that I continuously gain uh, through through the reading the Quran uh, and Kutpas, I try to make sure I incorporate that into my life. And so it's one thing to read, it's one thing to learn, but. Make Make sure that you actually utilize that knowledge that you have gained, that you live this life you have left wisely, and the same thing that goes for your wealth, to use your wealth wisely that, that God has provided for you. Uh, Subban so life for your journey, and what an inspiration. I have so much more I want to ask and learn, and inshallah, you'll join me again in the future. I want you to be my iman that I call every single time to to, to teach me uh, as much as, as you are learning as well, and I'm so, so impressed because you're managing a lot, but yet you are demonstrating to each and every one of us that you can prioritize your faith in the midst of being a husband a registered nurse a father and so many other things and 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 empowering youth to stay on track encouraging people inspiring people you're dedicating so much of your time to your faith and 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 may Allah reward you for all of your work that you're doing and may he make it easy
2: for you amen inshallah
0: Now I'd like to dive a bit into faith and adversity. This is the month that we talk about faith and adversity. And as I mentioned earlier and probably will forever mention, my faith was reborn out of the most significant adversity I have ever faced. Whenever I read the ayat in Surah Al-Ankabut, which is the 29th surah, the second ayat, Allah says, do the people think that they will be left to say, we believe, and they will not be tried? And what that means, do you honestly think by just saying that I'm a believer, that I am a Muslim, that there is no fact-checking, there's no way that we will test your faith? And let me tell you, I was one that thought that, and even though I uh, through that, through that bare minimum of practicing my faith, I thought that that would suffice. And, Brother Mufti, I was wrong. When my trial came, I was unprepared. I was lost as a Muslim. I was way off the path of Allah, and I wouldn't wish that on anyone. But, in that same vein, Alhamdulillah, for with that adversity came relief and a blessing of living the life I have left wisely. Using the knowledge of faith that I gain every day wisely, and spending out of what Allah has blessed me with wisely. So, Brother Mufti, I want us to talk about the Lake Sheikh Mushtaba, how God placed them in your life. You've already explained to us that your father connected connected you to. And I want you to take us along the journey that you had with them at such a, a young age. And at what age did you guys unfortunately uh, uh, split paths, or you went your separate ways?
1: Um. It is a little touching area for me. Um, Sometimes I try not to go into it a lot because it triggers some kind of of thing inside of me. But inshallah, I will try to explain as much as I can. Um, The late Sheikh Muhammad Ali Mushtaba, as we all call him, just Sheikh Mushtaba, he studied in Pakistan to start with. And he returned back home in the 90s. Um, Like I told you, my father... um, he, he knew and he saw it in me that I I had love for Qur'an. And 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 when they say it's time for us to go learn Qur'an in the evening, I will be the first one to get to the Ustaz. And I'll be the last one to get come out from there. Like, I'm not rushing. Like, I want to make sure I know. Sometimes I know before I even get there the next surah that I'm supposed to be reading. So my Ustaz at that time, which was a fuller, fuller old man, would tell my father, your son likes the Quran, he enjoys the Quran. So, when the sheikh, the late Sheikh Muhammad Ali Mustada, came to Freetown, Sierra Leone in the 90s, and my father went uh, for to Jum'ah and saw him and he listened to him talking. And remember, in the 90s in Sierra Leone, most of the massages in Sierra Leone does not do khutbahs in, in English, in Creole. They only recite from the book. And the book they were using at that time was khutbah to D1, that is the name of the book. Mm-hmm. Which the Hobads are already um written for you, they just come and just recite it, yes. so people don't don't understand what they were they were reading if you don't understand the Arabic, mm-hmm. and even the Arabic at that time they were using it, it you know the phonetics was not as accurate as we're learning it now. you see what I'm saying, mm-hmm. so at that point in time, my father met him and and he was doing the khutbah in trio. for the first time, my father heard that, and he was mm-hmm. impressed and came home and I went to a different masjid close to my school because um, my school, which was Amadia Primary School, there was a mosque um, that is close by. And that's why I prayed the Duma because I'm in school. Mm-hmm. So when I came home, he told me that there's the Sheikh I want you to meet. So he said, he has a lecture in the evening. So can you come with me? I was like, sure. So when we went there, alhamdulillah, um, I listened to him. Like I said, I loved what he was saying. I was, just so connected and the tone that he was using because he will recite by singing and then say the meaning by singing it also. So that was so touching and amazing to me. So I loved it and I started going. Of course, my father couldn't take me every day because he has his own corner shop, a full amount shop, they would say, um, that he has to manage in the evening so he can take me. So he, Sheikh Mustaba become popular, so there was a lot of people in where we live in Forbear Road at that point in time mm-hmm. that goes there in the evening to listen. So one of them was um, Sh- uh, Brian Manoa. He lives in England at this present time. Mm-hmm. We call him Major. He will come and pick me up, and I was like um, eight, mm-hmm. um, eight, years, uh, eight years of age. Um, and then we'll go, and I'll sit down and I will listen. Now the, the thing that connect like when Allah wants something in Nama Ida Arada lahu kun when we desire something we will say be and it will happen. Mm-hmm. It was the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that I will be one of his students that will be so attached to him because I was young. So the, there was a lot going on just to make it brief. Um, there was fights going on. They didn't like him. The people didn't like him, especially the people that were dancing devil devils and playing on the street and don't pray. And so there was a lot of fights and they were trying to fight him. And his house was burnt down in the middle of the night while he was asleep. And, you know, and, and that touches me a lot. Since then, I've become more connected and I wanted to do more. Mm. So a week after his house was burnt and it was close to Ramadan, and Ramadan started and I was sitting there, Salat al Fajr, imagine at an early age, went to Salat al Fajr in the masjid. And and I was sitting and he was talking and he looked at me and he said, Come here. And he pointed at me and he said, You come here. And and I came and he said, Sit next to me and I was sitting there. And he starts talking and he finishes lectures and everything while everything was done and we're about to leave. And he said, tell your dad you're going to be giving the talk tomorrow night mm-hmm. at that age. Wow. So I was eight. Like, wow. where can I start? I don't know. I, I can read a little bit of some surah. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, how can I give a, a, a lecture uh, at this point in time? And he mm-hmm. said, do you read Quran? I said, yes, I can read. And he said, open one surah. And mashallah, I opened the Quran. The surah that I opened was Surah Tusuf, um, Surah Tusuf. And the ayah I recited, mm-hmm. Ya ayu amanu lima ma ta'falun Ta-bura maqtan indallahi anta ma ta'falun. Uh, and I recited, and he said, Do you know what that means? I said, No, I don't. And he called one of the brothers. Um, his name is Dr. Ramadan Jallo. Now, um, at that time, he was he was just a, he was one of the followers. And he said, look at the meaning in English and tell him the meaning and let him go practice that. That's what he's going to give the the um, talk on tomorrow night. I went home and I told my father and my father was like, "Okay, well, you can do it. I was like, no, I can't. He was like, yeah, you can do it. So anyways, and I the whole day I was practicing the ayah within the ayah, trying to understand the meaning and trying to sound like him. And the next night, mashallah, and I came and and he said, today I have a brother that's gonna give a talk. And he called my name in front of the people. Mm. A lot of people, I can't even tell the amount. And and I stood up and I started the way he always says, his things in Arabic is called Muqabdama introduction. And I did that. And then I recited the ayah and I gave the meaning and everyone was screaming for the first time, seeing a little boy, young boy reciting and giving the meeting. So from that day, I become so connected to him. I loved it. I loved him. Mashallah, I started with the attention. I love the attention that everyone's, you know, after the, everyone is hugging me, kissing me, yeah. people giving me money and all all that good thing. That's how I started. That's, that's how we started. Yeah. Since then, I was there like every day, seven days a week in his house, in the masjid. And I would sit with him and then, after school, I would be there and I'm reading Quran and he will be in there reading or do whatever, meetings and stuff. Alhamdulillah, rabbil Alameen. And uh, he start taking me out to different organizations to talk and start reading Quran and start taking me into Quranic competitions and then start sending me into the provinces. At that time, I was like age 10. Um, my father passed away between that period of time within a year that he came my father passed away Um, so now I was more I I don't have a father so he was like a fatherly figure to me so he would send me to the provinces at that age at age 10 to go give lectures they said they need someone I will go and I I was known as the youngest imam in the country at that point in time alhamdulillah and um, you know and start taking me into even state functions like um, going to the, the state house that's how they call it and yeah. parliament to give talk and lectures mm-hmm. and make du'as and ministries they will call on Fridays they need someone he will send me so that's how we become so connected and I left my mother and I was staying with I stayed with him in the masjid mm-hmm. and I slept in the masjid for years wow. for years I was sleeping on the masjid with him and we become so close I was so close to him and he has his own kids and he would tell them this is my first kid and I have my other five kids with me. Yeah. So it, everyone knows me as, um, as, uh, Sheikh Mishrabe's son, yeah. the oldest son. And people start calling me after a series of lectures, a man one day just shouts in, in the public, you are our next Mufti. And that's yeah. how that name Stard. comes about. Oh, wow. And then since then, everybody start calling me Mufti. I don't even get used to be called Sulaiman. Oh, yeah. It's weird when people call me Sulaiman because I'm not <laughs> used to that name. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, yeah yeah so um and I start and we start going until the trial came and there was an infight and we whole everything that happened and the rebel war mm-hmm. and he stood for in place of peace than fighting a war in the city asking that the rebels are in the city they should protect the city than having a fight and the people revolt against him and alhamdulillah I will say because that's what we will say and he was killed mm-hmm. um and, and that was the end, and, and that, that, that takes me into a whole different dimension, and inshallah, we'll get to that in the subsequent questions, inshallah. inshallah. Yes. I hope I, I give you a little bit background of how we connected.
0: Yes. So, so how old were you uh, when he passed away?
1: Um, at that time, I was like um, 12. No, I was like 14. 14. About 14 years. 14 years.
0: 14. So, so at least you had, uh, and Charlie had really good... Um, a good run, you know, your time with him uh, was meaningful. Uh, I can only imagine at eight for myself, what I was concentrating on at eight years old and at 10 years old, what was entirely different from what from what you were, were focused on. And, and I pray that from, from hearing your story, that I am able to do that for my children, to inspire them, to get them connected with scholars uh, so that they can also be uh, rightly guided. And you continue to do it even as adults. May Allah place him, uh, meaning Sheikh Mushtaba, and my father in the highest station in Jannah. Now, I mean, uh, what trial or experience have you encountered that has changed your life? Now, you just mentioned. Sheikh Mushtaba's death. And so I, I, I can only imagine that between him and your father, uh, that's an experience or a trial that, that you will, will talk about. But but I'll let you pick which one uh, has, 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 has impacted your life uh, uh, and, and still to this day
1: affects your life. So this is, this is the thing. Um, trial comes and go. I've been tried in a very different ways to so start with. I didn't have. I didn't have a normal youthful play, like every like little boys will play and mm-hmm. the community. I didn't have that opportunity to have that. That was one of the biggest try I have because I was always around big people. Mm-hmm. I was always reading and learning, memorizing Quran. Um, when my father passed away at an early age and he left 11 of us, 11 kids with two women, um, and then Sheikh Mushtaba was in the middle. Within a year after my Sheikh Mushtaba came, my father passed away. So my father met him for like a couple of times. Um, and me staying with Sheikh Mushtaba for almost, uh, imagine from the age of eight to the age of 14, mm-hmm. it's about six, seven years, and stayed about five years in the masjid with him, like sleeping in the masjid with him. Mm-hmm. I become connected to him and everything that he was doing. I be, literally like, just copy. You know when you copy mm-hmm. someone, like mm-hmm. um, like everything he does. I know. I sleep with him. We sleep in the same floor together. I know how he sleeps. I know things that nobody knows about him, except probably his wife. I know things that his wife don't even know about him. Um, when he was killed, the way he was killed, that was a big test to me. And it gets to the point I almost lost my iman at that point in oh. I I lost my iman, and I couldn't. I said, I'm not going to the masjid anymore. I'm not praying in the masjid anymore. I was in Konakri when he was killed. And I was there when some of his own students and people that I used to support him were dancing oh. in Conakry when they announced his death. Yeah. That traumatized me a lot. Yeah. I was attacked and chased by people that I used to teach. And remember, at the age of eight, I was already teaching. Immediately, I started talking. People started coming to me Mm-hmm. Allah bless me Allah bless me with with voice of reciting Quran yes. mm-hmm. Allah Allah bless me with tajweed I can recite Quran in tajweed in the early age I, I I won my teacher the teacher that was teaching me tajweed I won we went to a Quran competition and I won over him I was mm-hmm. blessed in speech mm-hmm. so now this person that is connected to me has been killed mm-hmm. and I have nowhere to go mm-hmm. I, I have no one to connect to, so I stopped going to the masjid. I was not, mm-hmm. I was not going to the masjid anymore. I was only praying at home. I was not doing five daily prayer like I used to do in the masjid. Mm-hmm. I stopped going for salah to Juma. I was only praying. I was still praying, but I was praying at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when the war stopped, and my mother said, "Now you school is reopening, and you have to come back so you can finish your school." But you're not going to come and stay in Fogay because people are still talking about Sheikh and people that doesn't like him were are afraid. So I had to go stay with my uncle um, in Kalabatown. That is my mother's brother, elder brother. Mm-hmm. And I went there. Alhamdulillah, I was teaching people. There was the Islamic school that hired me and I was teaching and got paid at that 14, going to 15 at that point mm-hmm. in time. And... And the war broke out again. The rebel came in. That was January of 2000 or Now Something like that. I do not remember. And, and the house where we're living was burnt down again. Now I lost my father. Mm. I lost my teacher. And the house where I was living that I felt so comfortable with my uncle that treated me just like my father was. Yes. The house got burnt. And now I have nothing left. So... Uh, when we went to Fobewood, that's when, you know, and I started sitting there. Um and the trial continues and I was like I'm not praying in the masjid and I and then one night I was laying down and I dreamt like I'm leading people in salah. I was leading people in salah. And that's when I got up and I told people that I will let start praying. The noise is too much in the house. Um and then, you know, um uh, that, that's where comes the friend of Sheikh Mushtaba which is Alaji Ibrahim Tago mm. which is my wife's um, father that's my father-in-law yeah. and he was in prison because he was so close to Mushtaba and, and the whole situation and the blasphemed him too and he was um, uh, arrested and jailed for some time when he was released he was looking for someone that was close to Sheikh and he knew me because when we go for meetings he is the national chief imam while I am the uh, the youngest chief Imam. So mm-hmm. when they introduce him, they will introduce me. So we're like, and we used to sit down and talk. And he called for me at that time. I started my masjid, and he talked to me, and he was like, "What is going on with you?" And then I explained what I went through after the death of mustaba and all of mm-hmm. that. And he he told me, if you stop and you don't want to do what he was teaching you, then the people that killed them, they succeeded. Yes. So if you come back and start doing, and they see you and they hear you, yes. then they failed. Yes. So that was um, that was my revival. Yes. And, uh, and alhamdulillah, Allah used him. And, and, and that's when my, my iman started coming back strongly. Yes. Even though I was leading people in prayers, but I was, I was not too attached to it. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I was just doing it because I had that dream. And, and alhamdulillah, and the trial continues after, but yet still the iman in every shape and every form, Allah sends a way to bring me back yes. into the Hidayah, into the guidance. Yes. Um, uh, if I want to talk about that, I'll keep going and going. Um, yes. Alhamdulillah, a uh, um, lot of trials, but um, those were the main ones. My father and Sheikh Mushtaba and my uncle that stood up after the death of Mushtaba he, he died also not too long after the whole scenario, yeah. after the house was burnt and all of that. So it was like from one trial and you feel like, okay, yeah. alhamdulillah, things are getting better. Allah tries me again. And yeah. then after that, another trial again. And me not having the opportunity to be a normal young boy like everyone else, I yes. didn't play the normal play because I was always beating. Yes. It, was, it was hard, but alhamdulillah, it was a training that Allah was setting me up for in the future. Definitely. Um, alhamdulillah.
0: I, I it's just like you 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 read the Quran and you're far more uh, knowledgeable than I am that but you know all the messengers had so many trials, right? And, and if and if they all had given up, then none of us would be able to have a faith today. And so, I uh, alhamdulillah for you being able to return uh, back to your faith uh, and strengthen your iman through that trial. Um, I I I understand that my my trial does not equate to you know, especially at that age. At, at fourteen, I could not possibly imagine what that would feel like. I'm in my 40s, and my father passes away and I feel it's the end of the world and I'm still struggling one year later to, to find my way. Um, but I thank God for trials because I know I am grateful for my trial because through it, God showed me that he was Atawab and every day I strive to be a better Muslimah. He returned me back to my faith in that time of trial. I had a choice. I had a choice to just continue to be part of this worldly life and be upset. Or I had a choice to return to my faith and and, and, and have him strengthen my faith for me. And, and inshallah, he's done that every single day for me. I hold on to things dear to the. From my father, my father went to uh, to Hajj in 2006, and he brought me back a uh, prayer mat. Um, and to this day, from 2006 to this day, it's the same prayer mat that I use. And and I'm starting to see that it's starting to wear off at the bottom. And believe it or not, I'm starting to have anxiety on how I'm going to be able to patch that 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 mat because I want to have that mat and pass that even down uh, to my children. Uh, when he passed away, all I asked from my mother was for his prayer beads. He had the same prayer beads. I bought him lots of prayer beads because I traveled so many countries and I would bring him back prayer beads. But he had one particular one that he used. And when he passed away, all I asked for my mother was to give me that prayer beads. And today I use that prayer beads, uh, the Taspi and and my father's prayer mat. And it and, and, and keeps me connected uh, through that trial. It reminds me every day to do my prayers, to do the right thing that I know my father would have wanted for me. And same for you as Sheikh Mushtaba would have wanted for you. So I'm grateful that you return and that you are continuing his work as you continue to inspire and teach and pass on knowledge. It is the one thing that you are keeping alive for him. And so his knowledge continues to grow on. And you know better than I do that knowledge is something that we, if we as Muslims can leave behind knowledge, you can leave behind a pious child. Those are great, great things that we can do. And so, uh, I, I'm, I, I'm really happy to hear that you returned. I'm so sorry to hear about your trials, but. Inshallah, the trials are less and less now as you go on in life because they will never end. Because for every trial is a test. This is a test of our faith and how we respond to it. Because God is looking for those that are patient and who persevere and pray during the times of trials. So Inshallah, may Allah continue to reward you for your work and strengthen your iman every day. You have you've talked about how faith plays a role in your life. You missed out, call it missed out. I, I don't look at it as a miss out, but in, in in this culture, in this society here in the Western world, you would say, one would say that you missed out on a childhood, because you did get to play, you know, every kid, even me as a girl, I, I, I consider myself pretty good at soccer because that's all I played in, in in Sierra Leone. But uh you missed out on on a childhood and your faith has been what has guided you through. That's all you've had. And I want to understand how faith continues or has played a role in you dealing with Adversity, we've talked about the adversity part, but what about the good part, right? How do you incorporate your faith when good things are happening? Because most people tend to forget about God when the good is happening in their lives, and now it becomes um, their—I accomplished this on my own, and we forget about God, but when the bad things are happening, we turn to God. So I want to hear how you incorporate or manage your faith in relation to good fortune in your life.
1: Alhamdulillah, um, again, you know, faith, like we said in English, in Arabic, is Iman. Um, it's something that it comes and goes, okay? It's something that um, Allah tries us with uh, on a daily basis, like you rightly recited the ayah before, in the Quran, that uh, um, that was the recitation, the ayah that you said in English. That do you think because you said you believe in Allah, I will not try you. Yes. Um, it, it, that that trial comes for everyone. Um, it comes. It came for the prophets and the messengers, the, the ulama, the people of knowledge, and the common person on earth will be tried and tested, regardless if you believe in Allah or not. Yes. Uh, one thing I came to realize and I learned as I as i you know I was coming up. Um, even though I went through all of the trials that I was talking about and it's very emotional for me, um, especially talking about the death of مشhtabah, um yet see Allah always gives me a way out. Mm. Allah always makes things easy for me at the end of it. And I believe in that and I see that happening over and over as Quran says, وَمَن Who should, Whosoever that puts their hope and trust in Allah, Allah will be sufficient for them. You know, after he, like I said, Mushtabah was killed and I opened the masjid at that time, I was already now uh, a teenager and uh, Allah started bringing big people to me. You know, people that was looking for Mushtabah that is not there anymore, they start coming to me. One of the good things that came out of it a masjid, a place that we started that has no walls, that has no sticks or nothing. It was just stones around it. Mm-hmm. I last sent people from Pakistan, people that came with rice to sell in Freetown, okay, a sheep. Mm-hmm. Um, they came and they were looking for somewhere to pray. And someone said, let me take you to a little boy that has a masjid. Mm-hmm. And they came. There was nothing. It was just an empty place. Mm-hmm. And they built it within 24 hours. Wow. They were the one that built it. Yes. Yeah. So I see that good was coming out of that because I the faith is coming back and you, you you're doing it for the sake of Allah subhanahu yes. And when Allah wanted to guide me better and wanted to like I was so desperate to go to Saudi Arabia and to go study and I went to so many interviews and so many and my names were written down so many times and from what I understood after people the the people that was in charge would Give the tickets to other people that don't even qualify, didn't win just just because their parents had money and they will pay. Yeah. Um, which was another trial for me. Um, one day I was sleeping last one and I dreamt I was flying on the air. But before flying, a, a brother that came to me and say, "Why are you still in Freetown?" I was like, "Well, where do you want me to go?" He say, "Well, everyone is going to Saudi, Kuwait, and study Why are you still here? And you're more qualified than that." I said, "Well." I don't have no way. People, people that have money, I don't have money. My father is not here. And he was like, okay, I will show you the way. And he sh- guided me on during my dream. This is how you're going to go. This is how you're going to go. This is how you're going to go. Yes. And with Iman, I woke up that morning two weeks after that boy came and he came from, um, from um, Kuwait. And he came and he, he told me exactly the same thing I dreamt two weeks prior. And I realized this is what Iman can do to you. Yes. And I took the same journey that boy told me. Yes. And alhamdulillah, and I will tell you, uh, Iman came in when I get into the flight and I was heading um, to misra Egypt. And when I got there, what I saw and what I learned before I left, and I don't want to go into that in detail, but I, I left for Spain after living in Egypt for some time and I went to Spain. A whole new trial came all over again. Yes. But guess what? With Iman, with Iman and faith. Yes. And I used to say this word every day. Wa either zamta fatawakkal Allah. Wa fatawakkal Allah. This is the only word I was talking. And I came to a city and a nation, Madrid. Um, that was early 2000. I don't know anyone. And I was arrested in the airport because I don't know anyone. Where I was going, I don't know. How I end up there, I don't know. And mashallah, and and I was there for like a couple of days in the airport. And when I was released, they just opened the airport and they say, welcome, and they said it in Spanish. At at that time, I don't even understand a word of Spanish. And open in the street. I don't know where to go. Allah sent someone that picked me up. And that person helped me until the day I left that nation. You know, and I've seen over and over um, where things get hard, really, really hard. Yes. Allah will make a way for me. Yes. So I believe with Iman and faith in Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, the trial will come, Allah will give you a way out of it. Um, it, 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 it. That is just natural. And except if you don't have Iman in Allah, but if you yes. do, Allah will make, make that way for you. And that's how Allah has guided me and made things possible that I would think I will never get to yes. up, up, up to this day today.
0: That that is that is uh, that is very touching, I, and I definitely agree. I think even in the bad, sometimes the adversity and the trial, we lose sight of the good that actually is within that that bad. And so, I I now am very I pay very close attention when things don't work out the way that I think they should work out, that I want them to work out. I go back to what my father would always say, it wasn't willed for you. Even though you want God to will it for you, that's not God's will for you. This is the path that that, that God has, has destined for you and you must take that path and there's no way around it. But with faith, it actually makes it much more easier to get through that trial than when you do not have faith. And that is really what the premise of this is about. I think because my faith was not in a good place when my father passed away, it was the hardest thing to go through. I am not saying by any means that the next trial that will come my way, that I am ready to tackle it and I'm good to go. But I have a different sense of the way that I look at it now, because this is all the test of my own faith, because I just cannot pray five times a day and show up to the mosque and do all of these things and say, I am a Muslim so so I am good, God is, I'm good. No, 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 I have to be tested in, in, in my faith and none of us will ever be tested, come close to what uh, Ibrahim, right, what he went through. Because when you test someone enough to say, I want you to offer your own child as a sacrifice and they are willing to do that. Now that is Iman. And I tell my children the story when we were doing the last Eid and my son asked me, he's nine years old, and he says, well, mom, if God asked you to do that, would you do that for me? Would you would you sacrifice me? I won't tell you what the answer is that I said to him, but but you can you can read between the lines what I said to him. But as a nine year old, he's thinking, what? <laughs> no, you should not want to think to do that. But but the faith, the, our faith, our iman is very 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 important. And and a lot of us are busy, right? This is especially in the United States, but it doesn't even matter where you live. We 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 run households. We have to work. Whether you're in Sierra Leone, whether you're in the United States, it doesn't matter. We all have things that we have to do. And so it is very difficult for most people to be able to prioritize. I was one of those people to make the five daily prayers. I have a reason why I couldn't do it. I always had a reason why I couldn't wear a hijab. You always have a reason for something. Uh, Oh, I'm at work, I can't do it. But when I became committed to my faith, I changed it. Even at work, they knew, do not schedule anything between 1 and 1.30, obviously based on, on, on the season, uh, because she's offering her prayers. Do not schedule anything between 4 and 5 o'clock because she's offering her prayers. And it was just understood. There was no pushback. There was no—I think it's—we are scared to even make the ask— to say, I need the five to 10 minutes so that I can do my prayers. And I know it doesn't apply to everyone, right? I had an office job, so it's a little different. But I think some of us are even nervous to do that. So in your opinion, Brother Mufti, what do you think is holding people back from giving 100% to their faith? As you have done, you're prioritizing your faith, your family, your work, and so many other volunteer things. What do you think is holding everyone else back from doing the same thing, from pri- at least from the faith standpoint?
1: No, um for that again. Um, I would tell you, my sister, you know, faith as we're discussing that, um, it is something that you actually have to even ask Allah to increase your iman. It is part of the sunnah of Muhammad to make that dua. And and that is what we're lacking in our communities these days, in our families and stuff. We don't think we should make dua for that. So what we do, we make du'a for money, we make du'a for success, we make du'a for education, we make du'a for job, we make du'a for, for a husband or for a wife, Allah bless me with a woman. We don't even say Allah bless me with a good woman, we just say Allah bless me with a woman, bless me with a husband, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we don't make du'a, like Allah increase my iman and increase my faith for me, make me to steadfast. fast. And it's in the Quran that you have to make that du'a and it's in the hadith of Muhammad sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Um, Like I was saying just now, what kept me going and what made me to step fast in what I was doing, one, recitation of the Quran, I was constantly reading the Quran and uh, making bikrullah. Um, the late shak, again, we used to make dhikr And he used to teach us to say Allah, 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 la ilaha illallah And I, whenever I'm stressed Whenever things are not going the way I wanted it Or uh, not the way I planned for it And I was taking it start making dhikr And making dua Because Quran Allah. When you think the, the earth is getting tight on you It's getting smaller on you And it's, it, it, it's, it's squeezing you basically Or it, it's tightening up on you Say, yeah, Allah. So that is a zikr to just saying, Allah, yeah, Allah, yeah, Allah. You know, so that's one of my ways that I used to cope with whenever things are getting hard and tough on me. Mm-hmm. Um, for now, our communities, what I would say, the things that are holding people back is that um, people, they lack the knowledge of the deen. Mm-hmm. The knowledge of the deen, they, they, is not enough for the people. People don't have enough of it. It's not because they don't, it's not there. It's not, They're not seeking it. We are more indulging our, we are indulging ourselves or inclined into the world life, mm-hmm. what we can achieve as a medical doctor, what I can achieve as a as a lawyer, what I can achieve as a magistrate, what I can achieve as a governor, as a minister. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yes. These are the world dunia things. We are so focused focused on it and we, we tend to neglect the other side. And I will clearly sit here in front of you and tell you that you can do both simultaneously. Mm-hmm. You can be if you are steadfast, okay, in the deen, Allah will make the dunya for, to be easy yes, for you. Yes. You can do both. Yes. And you can have the deen and the dunya, meaning the religion and the life of this world. As a teenager, I was going to school. It's not like my father only took me to Arabic school, no English. No, 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 no. I was registered in an English school, but then after English school, I go to Arabic school. Mm-hmm. I did that until high school. I was able to do that, and up to today, I was doing it. You know, that is one thing that we can use that you should be able to uh, um, divide your time between the dean and the dunya um, and, and, and be steadfast. And remember that um, no success comes easily. It comes with um, hardship. It comes with patience. Everything that we do on, in, in this life, we have to be patient even to become a medical doctor you know, going to medical school—it's not easy. You have to read a lot of books and you have to write a lot of papers. Mm-hmm. It takes steadfastness for you to achieve that, and and you're gonna have to deal with professors that you probably don't even like, and they don't like you either. But you have to succumb and and, and kiss their feet, uh, like they will always say, so that you can get the grades that you want and move on. Right? It's the same with the iman. You have to you have to encourage yourself and push yourself through it and. Seek that knowledge, how can I increase my deen? How can I increase in my knowledge of what is going on? And people don't think that we in Islam, um, you can be a medical doctor and be an imam. People don't think that. People don't believe that you can be a lawyer and be an imam. Well, now we're telling you that you can. I'm sitting in front of you as a registered nurse, still trying to go more in in the school of nursing. and, and, And still, I still lead Salah. I used to work in Kaiser Permanente in California, and then I will come at night and and go lead Tarawih in the masjid. And some of the people I'm leading Tarawih, they are the patient that I will process in the hospital in the morning. You see, and they know me, and I will see one another, you know, and and, and, and come Saturday, and I I, I will have the school, and I will be teaching Quran, and then in the evening, they will see me, those kids, they will see me still in the park with my own kids. So, you can, you, if you get the knowledge of the deen, yes. and things will be easy. Because the hadith, and I'll wrap up with this with this question Muhammad sallallahu wa said, Man, you read Allahu Khairan, you fi deen. Whosoever Allah SWT wants good for in this life, he yes. did not say for Islam. You see, in this life, mm-hmm. it will give you understanding of the religion. Yes. If you have the understanding of the religion, nothing will hold you back. You will not look at any trial as big. And you will yes. not look at any goodness as as small. Yes. Everything, you will relay it to Allah Taala, And you will be thankful for the good things that are happening. And you will be thankful for the bad things that are happening. Yes. And you will know that it's just a matter of time. Because Quran says, Fa yusra. Yes. It's when things get hard before it gets soft. Yes. So yes, um, the things that are holding people back most of the time is lack of knowledge. And they don't have the patience to wait um, for Allah to help them, and they are not steadfast in what they are doing. So they 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 are not sure whether is this going to help me or not. So they are always looking for a second opinion instead of just waiting for Allah's opinion, which is the best and ultimate opinion.
0: I I definitely agree. You you said one thing about you said you said a lot of things that that hit home. Um, uh, but but one I'm going to to, to start off with is the the duas. You know, every day in my prayers, I say for i ask allah to strengthen my iman to purify my heart and make me of those who will never deviate from islam and and I agree, most people, when I used to pray before now, it was never about that, right? It was about, please, Lord, I need you to help me in this thing, in this thing, and this thing, you know, all success and worldly life driven. And now it's all about, it's about mercy and forgiveness, whether it be it myself or my or my my father, uh, whether it be for my children to, and, and my mother that I still have alive, uh, to unveil their eyes, unseal their heart and their ears and guide them to, to Islam and to keep them steadfast upon his deen. And to make sure we are all those that strive in this dunya for the akira. So at the end of my prayers, every time I, and at the, I get done and I said, oh, and I should have asked for this thing that, that ties to a worldly life. But my entire prayer is all about, it's it's about the akira, how me and my family are going to be in the akira, how I would like for us to be in the akira, that we get to see the face of Allah and enter paradise on Yom Kiyama, that we prepare for Yom Kiyama. Now, we talk about uh, why people think that they can't do. It. It. I, a few tips that, that, that I have. Um, one, I listen to Kutbas every day, and 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 it's important for me. It's 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 con, it's concise, right? It's some of them are thirty minutes, some of them are an hour. But how much do you, you have free time? Do you have whether it's you're taking a shower, you're getting dressed to go to work, instead of watching TV, you know, all of those things. You can prioritize those things and still remain steadfast upon the deen. When I am going between my Sunnah prayer and my Fajr prayer. That time, I allot the time a little early, so I start the Sunnah prayer early, and I have about five minutes or so, ten minutes or so before the Fajr prayer, and I read the Quran. I read as many verses as I can get. I don't have a set number. I need to get to 15. Now, in the month of Ramadan, is different, right? I, my goal was to get through the entire Quran, and I did, but I had to prioritize how many pages a day I have to be able to read at least 10 to 16 pages a day for me to be able to complete the Quran in the month of, of Ramadan. So there are things that we can do. You're driving to work, you're on the bus, you're on in, a, in in an Uber, whatever way. You can plug in and listen to kutbas. You can read your Quran on your phone. The technology we have today, there's no reason for us to not to be able to connect with our faith in the midst of being busy it is possible for us to do that. So I, I I agree with you. Our lack of knowledge is part of the problem, but where do you gain that knowledge? There's so much information out there, but let's start with what God has handed down to us, which is the Quran. Let's start there. Read the Quran. It will speak to you. And I can assure you that you're going to get so much out of just reading the Quran, even if you did nothing else, but reading the Quran, you're going to learn a lot about what is prohibitive prohibited of you, but also the good that is expected of you. And how do we all become of the successful and worthy ones on Yom mukiyama, which is a day that we must continue to believe in as Muslims? Right, is believing in the unseen. And I encourage us all to not put everything off to tomorrow, start tomorrow, start tomorrow, start today, because you're not guaranteed tomorrow and you want to die in a state of al-Islam and you want to be prepared to answer the three questions in the grave. Now, we're not getting into all of that because the imam actually should be talking about that, but the, the three questions that we're going to be asked, we must be prepared to answer those questions. And if you are not someone who has the knowledge, maybe there's some of us out there that don't even know what those three questions would be, right? So we need to make sure that we prioritize our faith in the midst of being busy, in the midst of being a lawyer, a doctor, taking care of our children, earning an income. We must prioritize our faith because at the end, God is not judging us on how good a lawyer or a doctor that you were, but he is judging you on, on your faith, right? So very important. So we will. I, I will stop on that rant there and I'm going to pivot to another another question. I can't have an imam in my presence and not have you touch on the importance of salah. We've kind of talked about it here and there. Every day I strive to gain knowledge. As I said, I listen to kutbas, I read the Quran, I have the daily Hadiths that come to my email from the Hadith of the Day website. And those are quick little things you read and you learn something from it, right? So, And and obviously they are Hadiths, so these are things that people are repeating that we know that, that either the prophet did or said. Um, and honestly, when I was not on the right path, I did not quite grasp the importance of making the prayer on time or the magnitude of prayer as it relates to Mukiyama. So I'd like you to remind us and our listeners about this requirement that Allah has placed on, on all Muslims, the requirement of guarding your prayers.
1: Now, from the love for that question also. Um, before I even get to that question about the prayer, let me just, just take it back really really quick on what she just said when it comes to the, the life, balancing the life and the deen. You know, we all have a responsibility to take care of in this life. Um, our families, uh, they are our responsibilities. Um, our kids, Um, the community, the job that you're doing is also a responsibility that you'll be questioned about on the day of judgment. Um, Having said that, when you talk about people, you know, people who say I don't have time to read Quran or learn Quran, yes, we have enough of time. I will tell you my sister, when I left Sierra Leone, imagine it's been probably 20 years now, I left there um, with 15 Jews. That's how we started, right? Mm -hmm. Memorized um, 15 um, Jews of the Quran, not chapters, but Jews. Um, 10 pages, like 15 um, Jews of the Quran, which is half of the Quran. When I came to Spain, eh, Egypt, and then Spain, and I I was not reading anymore. I was not reading. I was not memorizing. Um, Years goes by, and coming to the Netherlands and stuff, years goes by, I didn't memorize or anything. But when... Allah wants me back into it and, and Allah knows that I, I want it, but it's just that now I'm beginning to focus on the life of this dunya yes. rather than the life of the deen. So what Allah did for me when I came back to the United well, in Holland, that's where in the masjid, in, in, in one of the big masjids where I was living, they had a Quranic competition and uh, and, and one of my friends knows that I can read Quran very well. He had heard me reciting. I was not revealing in Arabic called muraja. like when for Hafiz they have something called muraja that you have to do every day so that you don't forget. Mm-hmm. I was not doing that, but I was reading on a daily basis. I will read, but not re- re- reading the whole Jews. And he was like, I want you to sign up for that competition. I was like, nah, I'm not doing that. Like, no, you have to do it. And I went and I won. After 10 years of not doing Quranic competition mm-hmm. with any organization, and I still won. And these were not African people. These were Moroccan, mm-hmm. Egyptians, mm-hmm. Algerians, Libyan. And, uh, and, and Turkish, and I won. And I was announced in the masjid in front of everyone in Laila Qadr night, in the masjid, and for African person winning a Quranic competition, and Khadija will attest to that, my wife will attest to that, and because she came at that point in time. You know, now I start going back to the Quran. And now, when I came to America here, and I start giving lectures in different organizations, and I felt like, okay, I should start reading all over again. But guess what? Allah dragged me to California because this is what Allah wants. Mm-hmm. There, when I went there, I went to register my kids to recite Quran, to go learn Quran in the local, in the masjid uh, in South Bay. And when my daughter was tested to read the Quran, when she started reading, that that principal was like, "Who is teaching you?" And she said, "My dad." And then she was like, "Can I meet your dad?" And he she was like. He's outside. No, I thought that was your brother because <laughs> I look so small, you know, and she was like, no, that's my dad. And then he came out with a form saying that um, here's the form for you to become a teacher in the school. Like, just like that. Yes. I don't know those people. I have no idea about them. And, yes. and these were Pakistani, Indian, Arab people. Yes. I was like, uh, I don't know about this. And he was like, yeah, we need you. Think about it. Go talk to your wife and do something. We need you to come and start teaching here. Yes. Allah makes way. Where I'm getting at is after that process and I start teaching Quran in the school, then I was hired to start leading salat in the masjid. Now I get paid to teach in the school and then also get paid to do salat in the masjid. Wow. And then I start leading t- t- salat, azhar, zuhur, maghrib, and isha. Mm-hmm. The Ramadan came and they said they wanted us to pray tarawih. Oh, wow. Me and the half of the Quran, the Imam in the Masjid. Wow. He's a young guy from Jordan. Yeah. He's a half of the Quran. He won the international Quran competition in Dubai and in Egypt. Qualified ten times more than I do, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And and he asked me, and he said, "I want you to pray with me to I was like, "I'm not Hafiz I only have 15 Jews, yeah. and I have in review. in a very long time." He was like, "Okay, pray the 15 that you know. You ask Khadija. Pray the the, the 15 that you know." I was like. Ah, uh, this is Allah. lot. It's Ramadan is like three weeks from now. Like, like start reviewing now. And wallahi, that's where Allah brought me back into the Quran. And this is, this is four years ago. Allah brought me back into memorizing the Quran. Let me tell you now, I start reviewing. I prayed the Ramadan, the entire Ramadan, the 15 Jews, the yes. areas that I know, the, the 15 Jews that I know, I prayed. Yes. He prayed the, the remaining. Yes. And that's how we did it. And it was amazing. And it was good. I felt so good that I reviewed this. Yes. And then I start reading all over again. Let me tell you how I memorize the remaining. What I have now, the, 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 how many? 15, and now I have 22. I don't even know the math. It's more juzu that I added into it. You know how I memorize it? Mm-hmm. Going to work every day. When I'm driving, yeah. that's what I'm memorizing. Yes. That's what I'm reading. Mm-hmm. And when I'm coming back home, that's what I'm reading. Yes. And up till this day, that is the most time I memorize Quran. So the point I'm making here to my listeners, please. Put the Quran where you're driving instead of yes. listening to music. And yeah, you, here and there, you can listen to news and other, you know, shows that you want to listen to. But take 15 minutes of your time and listen to Quran first yes. and say, I want to learn three ayahs on my way to work. Yes. And you will learn those ayahs. Keep doing it within a year, you will realize. And I, keep, I started doing that. Within a year, I already memorized like three Jews. And within two years, I'm now here where I am, and I'm about about to finish. Mm-hmm. So yes, we can do that if you make that uh, the goal to get that done. I hope I didn't digress a lot. i <laughs> um, coming into Salah. Um, salah is the most important thing. That is one thing that is non-negotiable in Islam. Yes. You cannot negotiate that. Okay, Hajj. You can give excuse for Hajj. I don't have money, right? It's between you and Allah. Um, uh, I can I can fast. I'm sick, right? Yes. um you, That is between you and Allah. I can't give zakat, I don't have money. It's, that is between you and Allah. Allah knows. If you don't, Allah knows. But when it comes to salah, Allah did not give any opportunity for someone saying that, oh, I can't let you pray because of whatever reason. He said, mm-hmm. I do not create mankind and, and jinkind except mm-hmm. to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm-hmm. And Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa said, the first thing they will ask any slave on the day of judgment is about your salah. Yes. If your salah is complete, yes. the entire works of your deeds will be completed for you. So yes. if you were missing Hajj, Allah will complete that for you. If you are missing Zakat, you are missing fasting, and the, the, all the rest of the things in Islam that is missing, Allah will complete that for you once your salah is complete. Yes. But if your salah is missing, you don't have no option you have to complete the salah for you to get the benefit of the hajj the zakat the fasting and everything else so salah is very very important in islam and islam muhammad teach the companion even if you sit you can pray when you are sitting and if you cannot sit you can pray when you're lying down so if they didn't give you no opportunity even when you cannot stand they say you should sit and when you cannot sit, they say you should lay down. Mm-hmm. Even if you're sick, they say pray with your eyes and use your heart. Remember that, that salah is the most important thing and that is the closest way you can get closer to Allah SWT. Um We cannot emphasize salah. That is a topic on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 my, dear listeners, take this seriously. إِنَّ الْصَلَاءَ anil عَنِ الْفَحْشَاهِ وَالْمُنْكَرِ um, remember that Allah said the salah will take you from shameful acts and deeds and it will take evil away from you. Yes. So if you think things are worse and things are bad, finally well, it's because you're not praying. Yes. You start praying, you will still be tried, but it will not be the same trials you're facing right now. It will be a different kind of trial. The trial you will have when you're praying is trial of faith. When you're not praying, it's trial of everything on earth. Everything, you know. So remember that the salat is the most essential thing on earth that you can do towards Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala most valuable to Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala and every one of us will be asked on the day of judgment about our salat including the prophet and the messengers.
0: Yes, I, that is. I I agree with you. I agree that if you are connected and you guard your prayers, your trials are easier to get through. Not, not that they will not be there, but they're easier to get through. Prioritize it in the middle of you doing something. You know it's time to pray. Don't say, oh, I'll wait. And it's not just praying. You must pray on time. It's important. Now, if you pray, that's good. But let's try to make our prayers on time. And then there's the five daily prayers. And then there's the supergatory prayers, right? The additional prayers and all of that. And they say for some of us, right, when we are being judged, uh, did they make salah? yeah uh, yeah they kind of they made two out of five they made three did they, they do superlative prayers yes, then they kind of use that that counts towards your blessings that counts towards your your uh your ease on the day of your mukiyama so please please. Try to prioritize your prayers. Make the time for your faith. It's it's absolutely this will benefit you. You may not see it today. You may look at it and it's a lot to do today. But in the in in, in your Mukiyama and your entrance into the Akira, I guarantee you, you're going to be grateful that you had did it today. There are people, there are kutpas that talk about people that say, "I wish I could come back just to be able to either." Offer a prayer, or to do to do a good deed. There is no coming back once you are once you have left this earth. That is it. There is no coming back to redo what you can do today. So prioritize your faith today. Um, as we wrap up, brother Mufti, I want you to give our listeners and myself two takeaways as it relates to our faith. Two things you want us to leave this conversation with.
1: Now, um So what I will, I want my listeners and everyone that is listening to us today that remember that um, when we talk, we talk about Iman and faith itself, um, it's, it's, it's a trial that Allah SWT will bring to us on a, daily, on a daily basis, okay? It can be the month that you don't have any trial in your life, a couple of months, and then all of a sudden there's a big trial that comes in. That is part of um, human life. Um, that is something that will not go away. It will be there because we are created to be tested. Uh, Muhammad mentioned that in a hadith, وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ مُسْتَخْلِفَكُمْ فِيهَا كَيْفَ تَعْمَلُونَ We are sent in this dunya to be successors so that Allah can see what we're doing. And the only way he can see that is it not, it's not just, just give us everything that we want, but actually don't give us what we need sometimes so that he can try us and see. So remember that when trial comes, the first thing I want you to remember that when trial comes, be steadfast. Okay, be steadfast in your iman, in your faith. Be steadfast and be patient during that trial. Do not blame um, people or blame anything because of your trials or your failures in life. Um, you, and you are, you are only there to claim the success but not the, the failures. Remember that anything that happens to you is with the will of Allah Taala. That's why he mentioned that in Surah to Tawbah when he said, <inaudible> Um, nothing will befall you except with the will of Allah he He's the one that's supposed to protect you, and He's the one that's protecting all of us, and He's the one that is going to help us. So number one thing I want you to take away, be steadfast in times of trial. Um, be patient. As we know that ayah. And remember, فَإِنَّ الْعُسْرِ hardship, before things will become soft. It's not just everything has to be beautiful and glamorous. Um, There are days that things will be hard. So be steadfast and be patient when when that happens. The number two takeaway that I want you to remember that whatever you're going through now, don't think you're the only one going through that. Always remember that. Don't think you are the only one suffering. You are the only one that's been tried in your family or in the community or in the nation. Remember that people before you have been tried and people currently with you and in, in other places in the life of this dunya that have been tried at this point in time. So take, take that time and say, this is the moment for me to return back to Allah Taala. Because sometimes when Allah loves you um, and He likes when you pray to Him more, He will keep trying you because He wants you to come back. That's why He said, فَفِرُوا إِلَى اللَّهِ then run towards Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so we, when trial comes, don't run to anyone else, but run to Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Remember that those are the two takeaways, um, that when trial comes, run to Allah, don't run to anyone else, and be steadfast when things are hard, and be patient with prayers. Um, be steadfast in your prayers, and be patient also when you're praying, and wait for the Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. It might not do it right away as you wanted it, but he will do it when he thinks that it's right for you. Um, and I will wrap up with this question that there are people before us that was tested a lot. That me and you probably will never pass those tests. Like Ayub Salam, one of the prophets, when Allah tried him with wealth, Allah took his wealth away, took his health away, took his family away, and took everything away from him. But he never deviated from remembering Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Even the angels used to sit down and talk about Ayub, alayhi salam. We know that story. And then also, and if you think things are hard and you're going to run away from where you are and jump into the sea, you will never get worse than um, and Jonah, which is Yunus, mm-hmm. that left his people and went to the sea. And then Allah, taala tried him and he was thrown and he was swallowed by the whale. And he's, he lived in there for, for God knows. We all know the story. The ulama explain about 40 days and 40 nights in the belly of the whale, and nothing that helped him in there except him making la ilaha illa anta subhanaka in So uh, these are just classical examples of people that live on the surface of this earth, and Muhammad, وسلم, our beloved prophet, that starved for days without no food. And this is the best person Allah said, I created. So there's nothing that you think that has happened to you or is happening to you that has not happened to someone before you. On a daily basis, everyone is going through trials. Um, the days are alternated between men. Today will be for you. The next day will be for the next person. Um, nothing is permanent. No condition is permanent. Remember those two things. Inshallah.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, before we wrap up the episode, um, uh, Brother Mufti, 30 seconds, anything that you want to ask me, anything that you want to add, anything that we missed, um, it's it's over to you.
1: Now, so, uh, alhamdulillah, I want to thank you for this opportunity, and uh, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to, to improve us, all of us in the deen and in our religion and in the knowledge of Islam. Uh, may Allah give us the platform that we need to do the dawah and pass the message and hit the hats and minds of the people. So, my question to you is um, since you're planning to go back home in Freetown, Sierra Leone, inshallah, come December, um, what are your plans um, when you get there with regards to this, um, uh, what you're doing right now? And is this something that you want to continue doing when you get there and you planning to get into the registration on a weekly basis? And what are your plans um, with regards to this forum, inshallah?
0: Yes, I, I have many plans, but the answer to answer the first question, uh, this platform, inshallah, will continue uh to, to, to thrive because uh, there's so many issues that affect our continent that I want to be uh, I want to promote, I want to elevate, I want to spark inspiration, encouragement, innovation in our people that we should do something about the issues we have in, in, in our continent and in and Sierra Leone obviously included. So be it faith, be it empowerment be it global health issues. right? We want to be able to make sure that we highlight the problems and that we have solutions and we, we we inspire people. right? We're going to have speakers from other countries that are also going to be talking about what they're doing in their African country to make a difference in their community. We all need to be community builders. We all need to improve where we came from. I am grateful um, for this journey uh, to, to return to Sierra Leone and all of this. You talk about trials. All of this started with the passing of my father. If my father hadn't passed away, there's so many things that I look at today that I wouldn't be doing, Um, things that I talked about doing. But I kept putting it off to tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. And uh, with my mother being there by herself, uh, my mother and father were married for 50 years. And with her being there by myself, my father is buried there. I, I want to be as close as I can to the life that he lived. I want to be there for my mother. Um, and at the same time, to continue to use this platform and, and other things that I'm I'm trying to get into to improve the community that, that I am from. So, so thank you for that question. And you will be uh, a guest and I want you to connect me, we'll talk about that offline with your mosque because I definitely want to be a part of it. I built a little mosque in my mother's, uh, uh, my grandmother's village, actually, uh, Manunki. It's around the Lonsar area, um, and I, I, I understand what comes with with building a mosque. And uh, and my, my I had this deal that I would get it done uh, by the last Ramadan, and we literally finished it days to uh, the last uh, <clears throat> uh, the last Ramadan, and people were able to do. The uh, the taraweeh prayers there. They actually did the Eid prayer there, and uh, and this year same thing, uh, mashallah. So I am grateful for that opportunity for all that you and I and everyone else out there that is steadfast upon the Deen that we're doing for the sake of Allah. The relationship that you and I have just created, and your family, your sister, your, your wife, uh, sister Khadijah, uh who is now a sister to me, uh, for the for the love of Allah. So I thank you very much for your time today. It's been a pleasure and, and an honor to have you on the show. You have given us some food for thought, and inshallah, we have both encouraged, served as a reminder and inspiration to each other first, and to folks out there, to cling to the rope of Allah, to guard our prayers, and to remember that life and death was created to test which one of us are best in deeds. So may Allah make us of those who are best in deeds. My respected brothers and sisters, inshallah, I pray that this episode positively impacts at least one person's life and serves as a reminder. If you have enjoyed the show, please leave me a rating and a review, and I look forward to hearing from you. Please be sure to hit subscribe so you do not miss out on any of my weekly shows. For more information and valuable knowledge, Brother Mufti, I want you to tell the people where they can find you on social media.
1: Now, inshallah, um, I do have a Facebook um um, account by the name of Muftila Fauzi um, Yasnira Jalo. These are just combination of the names of my kids. Um, but if you search Muftila, you'll find me on Facebook. Um, I'm also on YouTube as um, um, Sulaimani Sulaiman Yassin. Um, those are the two areas that I'm actually, um, you can find me easily. Um, and I have uh, lectures on Saturday nights. every Saturday night on Zoom and on Facebook. Which I call Night Life with the Quran. So we, we discussing Quran in details, different stories from the Quran every Saturday night from nine thirty. You can join us. Also, we welcome you all, and it is booming. That's how I put it. And we are jamming with the Quran. Okay, we are jamming and partying with the Quran That's on Saturday night life, inshallah. And you can see that live on Facebook that is good
0: um i originally had asked um i had this in my head that before we officially sign off uh, I wanted to ask Brother Mufti a favor, and uh, Surah Al-Zilzala is one of my favorites. Um, I, I have a lot of favorites. I say that every time that I talk to someone else and I change it to so, to, to something else. But uh, I want us to recite Surah Al-Zilzala as our outro. Uh, are you willing to do that for me and for everyone else that's listening?
1: Yes, inshallah, ta'ala. Yes, I am ready to do that, inshallah, Uta'ala.
0: <laughs> All right, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. You go
2: and kick it off. <laughs> All right. <laughs> وَقَالَ الْإِنسَانُ مَا لَهَا يَوْمَئِذٍ تُحَدِّثُ أَخْبَارَهَا بِأَنَّ رَبَّكَ أَوْحَى يَوْمَئِذٍ يسر النَّاسُ أَشْتَاتًا لِيُرَوْا أَعْمَالَهُمْ the thank you very
0: much and may Allah reward you for your time. Thank you for that. Um we are wrapping up the episode brother mufti i will be in touch with you sir thank you very much
1: thank you so much for your time also and thank you for having me inshallah taala we hope we benefited the people and our listeners and we hope that they will learn something from us inshallah taala and we ask allah to increase us in the deen and and in the religion and in the knowledge of islam barakallahu feekum hayyakum allah wa jazakum allah jannah assalamu alaykum
0: Ameen. Thank you all for tuning in to the show. If you want to learn more about what we talked about today, you can visit our website, sabato If you like the show, please make sure to like and subscribe so you can get new episodes directly onto your phone. But let's keep the conversation going between episodes on Facebook, at The Sabato Mansaree Journey, and the same on Twitter and Instagram. You can always find us there talking faith, resilience, empowerment, and our beloved Mother Africa. Thank you again for your support. See you back here next week.